right. <clears throat> so I got my Bible on the phone here, so I'm going to read from Psalm 96 before we get started. It says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory, do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Lord, you are great and you are awesome. And you are glorious. And you are the creator of all. And you are worthy to be praised. And we thank you. We thank you that you've come and you've given us your son Jesus and you've given us your Holy Spirit so that we can be in your presence all the time. And I pray, Lord, glorify your name today as I share this message. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, if somebody doesn't have a Bible, uh, raise your hand, and the ushers will bring a Bible to you. I'm going to have the scriptures up here, but the first passage is maybe small for some of you sitting in the back. So, okay. So this is our passage. It's Romans chapter 15, verses 4 to 13. Romans 15, 4 to 13. And where, wherever you see it says the word Gentiles, think of nations. The word in, in the Greek is ethne, and it's the word we get our English word ethnic from. So it's talking about all the people groups, all the different cultural groups in the world. So everybody except for the Jews, who were also another people group, and then it addresses that in this passage too. Okay, so... This is what it says. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. 
For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, in order that to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his peoples. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Right, so I'm going to come at this come at this with three main points. The first is the ultimate purpose of all that he's talking about here is to glorify God. He says it three times here. So the ultimate purpose is to glorify God. And that's not the only not not only the ultimate purpose for what he's saying here, but for all of life. Secondly, how to glorify God. In this passage he says how we glorify God is we accept one another and we love one another. And then I'll talk about where at the end. I left a blank in your outline to fill in, but I won't tell you yet. All right, so <clears throat> here we see that in the text it says we want to be united together. For what purpose? To glorify God. That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again in verse 6 he says, accept one another for the glory of God. And in verse 9, Jesus came and humbled himself and became a man and died on the cross. For what purpose? It says he came to serve the Jews in order to verify, to confirm the promises of God and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So that's what it's all about. It's really summed up nicely in Romans 11.36 and here it says, this is about God, him means God, for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. So that's what it's all about and what it means to glorify God. Jesus said it nicely when he was talking about, he said he, he doesn't glorify himself, he glorifies the one who sent him. So what does it mean to give glory, to glorify? It just means you say good things about that person. You exalt them, you lift them up, you say you're bragging about them. Jesus doesn't brag about himself, he brags about the one who sent him. So we're glorifying God, we're honoring him. We're lifting him up. We're showing how great he is. That's what it means. I've got a good quote here that kind of sums up something that's in the Bible. There we go. And this is a, <clears throat> this is a quote from The Ultimate Intention by Deverne Fromke. And where he says, the inwrought cross, he defines that term in another paragraph. So I'll just say, that's the, the nature of Jesus the nature of God to give his son, 
This is the ultimate gift. And in order to, to serve us, he was willing to sacrifice and to suffer for us. So he's putting that same kind of spirit in our own hearts as well, that we would love one another, that we would give to each other, give the sacrifice and love the Lord with that same kind of love. So that's what he's saying here. It's the Father's ultimate intention that he might have a vast family who embrace the inwrought cross, which they have seen reflected from his paternal heart. It's all about God's glory. And uh, John Piper addresses it even more directly to the point here. And let the nations be glad. By the way, this is... John Piper's book, Let the Nations Be Glad, and I highly recommend it. It's a good book to read. He says, God's purpose in all of history is to uphold and display his glory for the enjoyment of his redeemed people from all the nations. And in that same book, he quotes from Jonathan Edwards, who wrote about 300 years earlier, the great end of God's works which is so variously expressed in Scripture, is indeed but one. And this one end is most properly and comprehensively called the glory of God. And as we read the Scriptures from start to finish, it's all about the glory of God. Glorifying God. And you can read it through and you'll see even the narrative passages, the stories, it's all in order to give glory to God. So that's why in this passage in Romans 15, he emphasizes to glorify God, to glorify God, to glorify God. That's what life is about. That's what the scriptures are telling us over and over again. So we want to think, instead of thinking from our own perspective, think from God's perspective. Have his mindset, have his point of view. And the reason, it's just like what we read in Psalm 96. He's worthy of it. God deserves to be honored. God is the creator of the universe. And he, we owe it to him. It says he's to be feared. But it's not just that. As we read it towards the end of Psalm 96, it gives us joy. When we glorify God, it gives us joy. When we sing praise to Him, it's joyful. I love that song we sang earlier, Be the Center. Jesus, be the center. That's, that's awesome. That's what life is all about. Jesus should be the center. And, it, and the should and the joy doesn't contradict each other. Just because we should do it doesn't make it a, a chore. It's joyful. And I give an example. This was uh, friends of um, <clears throat> Neil and Lisa Hirakawa. And they came to share in our home group on Thursday night. We just had the, the great privilege that they were traveling through California on their way to Northern California. And they, they stopped in San Jose on the way on Thursday night, just when we have our home group. They shared with us. We had a great time. And it, one of the things that struck me about what he said was, he just loves linguistics. That's what he does. He's, he translates the Bible. And he's planting a church in Papua New Guinea among um, these people in a kind of a remote area. So this is them um, 
that's Chad and, and Janine, and they're, they're three adopted kids, uh, the boys. And then they've got, this is some of the people that they're, they're ministering with. So they get to see people get set free from bondage to fear and superstition. He told me a story that sometimes people would, um, you know, when they got sick, they would think, somebody must have put a curse on me. And they would lose all hope, and they would think, I'm going to die. And they just believed, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And then they would wander off into the jungle and die. Not because they were sick to the point where they should die, but because they believed in all these superstitions and this evil. It binds them up. And what they're doing is they're bringing them the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's so joyful for them to see when people turn from that bondage and they are set free to worship Jesus. To see the way that when when they believe in the Lord, they grow up, they start to realize how they should treat their kids. Instead of ignoring them until they annoy them and then beat them like they used to do. Now they pay attention to them. They love them. They care for them. This is exciting. This is a joyful thing to see God glorified. Verse 7. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. I use the NIV here because the word accept is, I think, more representative of what he's saying here than the word welcome, which is in the in the ESV, just because of the context. Through chapters 12 through 14, Paul's been talking about those that eat meat, those that don't eat meat. And some look down on each other. The ones that don't eat meat look down on those that do. The ones that, don't, that do eat meat look down on those that don't. And he says, just accept one another. And it reminds me a lot, this verse, of what Jesus said in Mark chapter 9. Jesus said, salt is good, but if the salt lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the context of that, um, but I'm not going to read through the whole of Mark chapter 9. It's a little bit too much to read right here, but I'll just retell the story a little bit. So Jesus went up on the hill with Peter and James and John, and he was glorified. So he's shining. Moses and Elijah come, and they see them there, and it's an awesome sight. And they come down from the mountain afterwards. And they see the other disciples with the Pharisees. They're arguing. So what are they arguing about? Jesus asks. Well, man came to them with his son. He's demon-possessed. And they couldn't drive out the demon. So Jesus is like, oh, you unbelieving people. And so he, he goes and he casts out the demon. The 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 child writhes around, you know, and, and, and Jesus stops that and, and sends the demon away. And then they ask him, well, why wouldn't this come out? Why couldn't we do it? And he says, well, this, this only comes out by prayer and fasting, or in some translations, by prayer. 
So they go on their way, and as they're walking, finally Jesus asks them, what have you been arguing about? And they don't want to tell him, because they've been arguing about who's the greatest. And he says, not probably not for the first time, he has to remind them, the last will be first, and the first will be last. So don't exalt yourself, or the Lord will have to humble you. And then John says, there was someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him. And Jesus said, don't stop him. Whoever's not against us is with us. You've got to get the irony here. They were just trying to cast out a demon. They couldn't do it. And now there's somebody else casting out demons in Jesus' name. And where did he get the power to cast out demons? It's not a human power. It came from Jesus. So Jesus acknowledged him. said, whoever's not against us is with us. Even though he wasn't traveling with their little group, he still honors them. And then Jesus concludes with this verse. When he talks about salt, it reminds us of the Old Testament covenant of salt and how salt is kind of a symbol for holiness, purity. So you, you want to be salt, salty? You want to be set apart for the Lord? Then have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. None of this arguing and talking about who's best and, and trying to stop somebody else from doing the Lord's work because they're not part of your group. Just like Paul says, accept one another just as Jesus has accepted you. And why? To glorify God. <clears throat> so accept... Or in the ESB, welcome. We, we heard about there's one who eats meat. There's one who abstains from eating meat. Don't look down on each other. But there's a broader context for this. It's really the whole book of Romans. Because Paul's writing from the very beginning to try to reconcile different groups in the church. So the church in Rome, there's the, there's the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. And they have some cultural differences. So he starts to write, you can see from the creation that God is to be worshipped. And yet they didn't worship him and they did all these terrible things and he lists them out. And now the Jewish readers are probably thinking, yeah, that's right, look at those Gentiles, how bad they are. And then he turns around and says, you who have the law, who have the promises all through this all through history, you've seen it, you've seen the history, you've got the miracles, everything recorded for you, you don't follow the law either. So what you know, you don't follow. So what how does that make you any better than them? And he goes on and finally in chapter three, verse twenty three, a lot of us know that verse. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the Jews 
the Gentiles, it doesn't matter. Everybody's the same. And he goes on to explain the gospel and we're justified freely by his grace. And what brings us together, what unites us, is the gospel. So he has to go and explain that the law doesn't make you clean. It just shows you about your sin. So when he talked about the law, actually, Chad, uh, when he visited, he said he had an illustration that he would take a mirror and he was had his face was all dirty and he would say, let me see, let me have that mirror. And he would hold the mirror up and he'd start to rub his face and try to get himself clean and didn't work very well. He said, that's what's like with the law. You don't get clean from the law. It just shows you your sin, that you have a need for the Lord. So he's, he takes, it goes through all of this reasoning and, and explains the gospel for the purpose that he could bring the two groups together, the Jews and the Gentiles. That's the context. And finally, he comes to the conclusion, accept one another for the glory of God. Romans covers a lot of territory, so there's a lot of things there, but this is really a major theme in Romans. So for us, the, the primary application would be within the local fellowship, just like it was for Paul. He's saying for the, the Roman church. So we want to be tolerant of each other. There may be differences of opinion on certain issues, eating meat, not eating meat, drinking wine, not drinking wine, whatever the issue is, some of them they, they brought up in the, Old Test, in, the, in the New Testament times. There are different issues for us today, but we need to be tolerant of each other. And there are times when believers hurt each other. And what I've kind of observed, it's not just here, but in churches all around the country, people find it easier to leave, go to another church, instead of stick it out and deal with the problem because it's painful. You have somebody's hurt you. Rather than confront the issue or deal with it, you move on. But I like to think of it as analogous to marriage. You know, if you're married, you're in it for life. So, if you have a conflict with each other, you can either let it go because it's not a big deal and say, I, I can live with this for the rest of my life. Or you can confront the issue because you can't live with this for the rest of your life. You need to deal with it. So you talk about it. And we all need feedback because everybody, every one of us, if we're left to our own selves and nobody gives us any feedback and nobody sets limits on us, we go out of control. That's the way we are as humans. And so... In a marriage, we do that. In a healthy marriage, there's a certain level of conflict. It doesn't get out of control, but there's some conflict there. You have to talk through certain things. And in the fellowship, in the body of believers, sometimes we have an issue. We need to go and talk with each other. Not because, yeah, I want, you know, I just need to tell them. It's because you really are committed to that relationship. You're committed to that person, so you, you need to walk through it. And the same thing is true in our relationship with the Lord. We persevere, and the result is joy. 
Last week, Ian was talking about his home group, that they got closer in their relationships and shared more intimately with each other and, and sort of led to some friction. And it, But as they stuck it out, it led them to be more close to each other, and, it, and there was a joy in that. There's a great joy in having believers who love each other, who trust each other, who are able to open up and share what's what's bothering them, even about each other. There's a great joy in that. So we need to accept one another. It goes a lot further than just, yeah, okay, you're fine, I'm okay, you're okay, I'm okay. It's not like that. It's, I'm willing to forgive because Jesus forgave me for my sins. And then there's not only our fellowship, but there's other churches. And I think about our neighbors. We have a neighbors across the street who are believers. And the, the lady, she originally, I mean, several years ago, she wasn't a believer. But at her work, she works at Apple. She, they had a Bible study group at her work. And these were believers coming together from lots of different churches. But they came together and they were genuinely loving people who wanted to see God honored. And somebody invited her to the Bible study. And she was surprised because she had expected more or less, she didn't know what to expect, but she thought, well, I've heard things about Christians from the news media. That was all the impression she had. It wasn't very positive. And so as she got to know the people, she realized that, hey, these people are for real. And so she told me her testimony. It was really encouraging. So she got saved. Now she's married. So now the two of them, have they lived in our community before we did. We moved there later. And when we got there, they were very welcoming and just they just wanted to talk to us and spend time with us and they pretty much have carved out this little niche in the neighborhood where there's everybody's really friendly with each other it's because of them actually because they've they're so friendly they're so nice to everybody and they talk to everybody around and they're out in their yard all the time and their kids are running around and everybody loves their kids so it's it's that kind of thing. We can work together with them. It doesn't matter that they're from a different church. Because we accept one another in the body of Christ. It could be at your work. It could be in your school. I know there's uh, at least a couple of people in our church that do BSF. They call Bible Study Fellowship. Normally it's people from different churches getting together to study the Bible. That's great. You got Awanas for the kids. There's, um, you might know people from, students from their school who are believers. Accept each other. And you'll see God glorified in it. Just as God was glorified when that lady across the street saw the way that the believers accepted one another at, at her work. This is another quote from The Ultimate Intention. This is the book. It's by Deverne Fromke. And this expresses, I think, what I 
had been thinking for a long time. It says, God has used different men and women and movements not to corner the truth, but to recover and herald truth to the upbuilding of the entire body of Christ. Every major awakening has centered in a major recovery of a truth necessary to mature and balance other aspects of truth. So we have a great heritage in this church. We have, a lot, we have great theology here. But we don't want to use that to make ourselves proud. Because there are other people from other backgrounds, other believers, that they bring their strengths And we want to appreciate that and value that. So, so last is where. Now this first bullet doesn't tell you the answer yet, so you don't fill in your outline just yet, right? So where is God glorified? And we talked about the Jews and the Gentiles in first century Rome. This was an interesting thing I just read. This is in the um, Alliance Life magazine. It's a Christian and Missionary Alliance publication. And I'm, I'm not going to read it, but I'm just going to highlight a little bit what it says. You've, you've all heard about the tensions in Ferguson and the, the protests and some violence that's been going on there. But probably most of you haven't heard about that there are about a hundred pastors going out into the streets every night. Every hour, beginning of the hour, they get on loudspeakers and they pray. And they highlighted one, um, two pastors. Two pastors, Steve and Mike. One is black, one is white, and they go out together. For them, it's easy to go out together. Because they're brothers in Christ. It doesn't matter if one's white, one's black. It has no bearing. They love each other. And people see them going out together, though, and they're surprised and they're impressed by that. And they say, wow, what's, what's going on? So they get a chance to explain. And they said almost every night, somebody gave their life to Christ, was committed their life to Christ. So they accept one another and it gives glory to God. It's a perfect example. Now here in the Bay Area, you don't really see a whole lot of tension between black and white. It's, which, thank God for that, right? Our cultural environment here is special in that way. But we have a lot of different cultures. You know, there's, there's lots of Asian countries, there's Hispanic, there's black, white, every, everybody is represented, even in this fellowship. And so sometimes when you have different languages and you have different economic backgrounds, you have different back, backgrounds in general, there's going to be some misunderstandings. And so what we need to do is be sensitive to Jesus leading and be at peace with each other. And... Um, Then there's the Sahora Clinic. Right? This is um, some of the people at, at the clinic. And they, they're dressed a little different from the way we are in jeans and, you know, they're a little more formal. And the way they write, you know, there's a lot more formality in the way that they're writing. 
But you've got to get past the surface things and look at the heart. Because they love the Lord. In fact, they share the same theology. They're also reformed. But they love the Lord. That's the thing. Is they, they, have, they have humble hearts. And they just want to serve God. They want God to be glorified in their community. And so Lynn has had that on her heart to build up this community over here. And we have a small part in that because they have a big ministry, but the one section of that is a clinic that they had built there and it was empty and we just provide a little bit of funds to help to get them jump-started, to jump-start that clinic and get it going again. And the clinic can serve the needs of the poor people in the community so that they would they would see the love of Christ and it brings glory to God. So as we work with them and accept them, they are empowered to give glory to God. So that's how it works. Or you see, this is um, the church in Abu Dhabi. Steve and Jan are there now to plant an international church. They're having a Easter sunrise service on the beach in Abu Dhabi. And international churches, it's one of the things that, that gives me so much joy. Because in an international church, you've got people from every country all coming together. They come from all different church backgrounds, all come together. But in the gospel of Jesus, we're united. We saw that in China because we knew the people were hungry for the gospel. A lot of people hadn't heard the gospel, but they received it so readily. And I I remember Minglan said the people came to, to her to tell her, I just saw how much you guys love each other. And it made me want to follow Jesus too. So in that church, we were baptizing about a dozen new believers every quarter in a church with 300 people. God was at work there because you have so many diverse people coming together and you see the love of God at work and it gives glory to Him. Steve and Jan are in for some great joy. They're going to see the same thing there. It's an awesome, awesome opportunity. All the earth. Where is God glorified? All the earth. That's the blank in your outline. Everywhere. Verse 10. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Rejoice, all you nations, with God's people. John Piper's book, again, it says... The ultimate goal of God in all of history is to uphold and display his glory for the enjoyment of the redeemed from every tribe and language and people and nation. This was uh, Chad again. And this is his friend Ambux. And Ambux is a local believer in Papua New Guinea. Ambux has become mature now Ambox preaches to his people. So when they get together for church, Ambox does the preaching. And he's entrusted him to prepare his own sermons. He's entrusted the church leaders there to 
lead their own church. And sometimes they don't do things exactly the way that he would do it. But he does. He keeps quiet. He lets them do it. Because he knows that's what's best. For them, it will give glory to God. So he's accepting them for the glory of God. And now Ambox is not satisfied to see God glorified in his own little village. They're going on to the next village. So his vision is to go and move to the, another village and share the gospel of Jesus with them. And he can probably do it even better than Chad could because he knows the culture. Chad relies a lot on Ambooks. You hear him talking about Ambooks all the time on Thursday night. He relies on him because Ambooks knows the culture, he knows the ins and outs, and he knows what's going to offend people and when to hold back and when to say something. So by accepting Ambooks, Jesus is glorified. Another quote from John Piper. John Piper says, God's self-exaltation and our jubilation are one. It's a nice summary of a scriptural principle. The goal is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And last is hope. So in this passage, Paul starts and ends with hope. You have to realize back in those days with the scrolls in Greek, they didn't have punctuation, they didn't have paragraph marks, they didn't have the chapters and verses. So how would they mark off a concept or, or a passage to say, oh, this is a paragraph? A lot of times they would frame it, starting and ending with the same concept. And then he had this little method where he took the, um, the verses that he quoted from the Old Testament and he strung them together based on the common word. That was the word, the Gentiles. But he, at the very end, he selects a verse that talks about hope. And he ties that to his frame. This is what they call midrash, how they would tie verses together with the common word and then they would reason using that method. So, Paul, here, he starts with that, and he refers back to the Old Testament. He says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. The Old Testament was written over more than a thousand years, and God made promises, and he kept his promises. And he made more promises, and he kept his promises again. And God established his faithfulness so that people would trust him, and they know that God is good for what he says, so they have hope for the future. You see God's faithfulness in the Old Testament, and then in the New Testament now, and then through church history, and through our own lives, we see God's faithfulness, and that gives us hope. We trust him. He builds that kind of confidence in us. And then he concludes, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. He's the Almighty God. As we accept one another, it gives glory to God, and that brings us joy, and we have hope because we know that the light of Jesus will shine 
around us in San Jose, in, in our communities where we live, in the place where we work. But not only that, God takes it to all the nations. The power of God is amazing. So he multiplies his glory. It's not enough to just be right around us. It's the whole world, everywhere, all the nations. God will be glorified. We have that hope because we know God is the Almighty One and He will accomplish His purpose. Father, we pray that You would give us hearts of loving to glorify You. That You will be the center of our lives. And that we would be filled with joy as we accept one another and that would give you glory. And may the knowledge of your glory cover the whole earth like the waters cover the sea. In Jesus' name, amen.